Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it, and if you like what you hear, rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. So you really want to talk about non-current events information or do, do you like me to give you an overview of the twitter files I, I think we should start off with that. that i mean that is big news and and there's I a like lot of people to be informed and know what's going on sometimes i'll choose okay. to just put it out of this my mind this feels like a there's a lot of... occasion where i'm the one that's read the all the details and you guys didn't well i wasn't going to sit there and read i don't know how to read threads of twitter I don't that's know how to read. <laughs> that's why you've been listening to audiobooks i mean i've been listening okay well Okay, well, the Twitter files, really, we got parts three through six. And six literally just came out a couple hours ago. I just read it a few minutes ago. Breaking news. Yeah. Three through five are kind of all about internal Twitter communication and the policies, the breakdown of the policies and standards around removing people, removing um, certain tweets or um, temporarily removing people or banning people. And how over time it got much more away from they're trying to create policies on the fly. And they, you know, they're like, we're entering a space where we couldn't keep up with it policy wise. So you see there's this higher level of people who are basically just passing tweets back and forth and just deciding like, oh, do you think we can remove this under this policy? And they're kind of just deciding. Um, And that really goes after the election and builds up builds up till january 6th and then of course the removal of accounts after that and that all leads up to ultimately removing trump and them not really having a basis for it especially when you look at the reasons they cited and the tweets that they cited versus tweets of other leaders in the world who they leave up tweets who if a random person tweeted this they would remove it but if it's a um like a world leader, they'll keep it up because in the interest of public information or whatever. So that's parts three through five. And dad? Well, what you learn from that, and I mean, like I said, I didn't sit down and read through the entire Twitter threads of these drops, but I've heard plenty of comment and, and read selective portions of the of these um, threads. Um, what you see from that, what you're saying, the censoring that was going on, the discussions around who and what to censor from like from um, Yoel Roth and Vijaya Gaddy and even right. Jack Dorsey, you know, all their stuff. What you what what I get from that is when you said it's moving, they were saying this is happening so fast and we, we don't have specific guidelines. They're using that as an excuse to censor who they want to censor and censor Correct. what they want to censor. It wasn't anything to do with these don't meet our guidelines. It's like we don't like this message being out there or we don't like this person putting it out there. Therefore, Correct. we're going to create a reason to silence them. Because you'll see a couple of people even bring up like one personal that even responded, look, I think all these are terrible, but does it really fall under our policies? Like, I don't agree with them, but – and then you'll see – you know, y'all Roth being like trying to make justifications. How can we get or like, hey, we got this new process or this new policy approved. We got Jack to sign off on it kind of thing. And um, so that's what happens to the removal of Trump. But then today, Matt Taibbi released Twitter files part six, which it really gets into how much was the government and the FBI and other people involved in this 
and he actually titles it Twitter, the FBI subsidiary. Whoa. Um, yeah, he says that Twitter's contact with the FBI was constant and pervasive, pervasive as if it were a subsidiary. Between January 2020 and November 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and former Twitter trust and safety chief Yale Roth. Some of them are mundane, but a lot of them are the FBI asking them to um, take action on what they call election misinformation. And a lot of them involving joking, like joke tweets, obvious joke tweets from low, like, follower accounts. So people with not a lot of reach. The FBI had a social media focused task force known as the FTIF created in the wake of the 2016 election, and it swelled to 80 agents and corresponded with Twitter to identify alleged foreign influence and election tampering of all kinds. And the law enforcement reach into Twitter included the Department of Homeland Security and security partners and think tanks that also pressured Twitter to moderate contacts, including um, some sort of election integrity group at Stanford and state agencies like the state of California. Um, the partner, they went through a partner support portal and created by the Center for Internet Security, a partner organization of the, the DHS, and they could submit tickets to the FBI through like different portals and um, and things like that. Twitter, the Twitter files show that agencies like the FBI and DHS would regularly send social media content to Twitter, content to Twitter through multiple entry points that were pre-flagged for moderation. So example they would send an email hello twitter contacts right and they would send these emails with a list of and it said the fbi san francisco is notifying you that it wants action on these four accounts and so twitter would look into it see if they could get rid of them most of the time they would the fbi's national election command post requested that the san francisco office work with twitter on a list of accounts to determine whether they violated terms of service so this is a, there's an email from the national FBI and National Election Command Post to the San Francisco office has a list of accounts. They request that the San Francisco office would contact Twitter and would ask whether they violated terms of service to look into the accounts, they, that they would have a, preser a letter of preservation. So they would preserve the subscriber, like the account info and the content from the account in case the FBI, FBI wanted to later issue a legal process. And the FBI, they also said to request any location information associated with the accounts that Twitter would voluntarily provide to aid the FBI in follow-up. So the FBI was requesting all of this information from Twitter. And there's another spot later where a Twitter executive asks, was talking with the FBI, is there any um, anything hindering us for, or like, you know, providing from providing information? And like, no, there's no walls. And so they would provide all kinds of information. Um, there is, though. In a... Yeah. In a letter to former deputy general counsel and the former former FBI top F, former top FBI lawyer Jim Baker on September 16th, 2020, a legal exec, Stacia Card Cardile, that's who had asked that question, outlines results from her soon to be weekly meetings with the DHS, the DOJ, the FBI and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Weekly meetings. OK. Well um, yeah. Well, I was going to say what's the interesting first thing about that. This is kind of a side note, but it's interesting about this is that Matt Taibbi is the one that draw that that released this, right? That's who Elon yes. Musk gave this to. He's the person that Elon gave the first dump of files to, and in that Taibbi said, "What's interesting is there's no 
um, evidence in this first drop that the FBI is telling Twitter, you know, what to do. They're not really communicating over these things. So Elon Musk sets this up. His final dump is to the same guy, and he dumps to him all of the stuff of the FBI communicating right, because, with Twitter. because Elon was making it sound like there was and more of a smoking right. gun, and people are like, we didn't really but, see but, it. And a lot of this and a lot of the emails he has here are, are a little more recent, too. Like, that was a 2022 email. Well, here's one thing they're going to say, though. I mean, the as far as the administration is going to say, one, first of all, they'll look at timeline and say, we weren't in office for these this set of you know tweets but even mm -hmm. the stuff that they're in office for they'll say well that was the fbi acting on their own we were not directing them to do that now the fbi still as a government agency i can't do that i don't believe but the the administration will just try can't to do isolate them so they can't limit americans speech in that way the first amendment yeah well this couldn't be them this couldn't be them acting on their own because they are banning accounts and pulling down posts off of Twitter. It's not possible for this to be acting well, on their own because FBI doesn't own Twitter. I, no, and I'm I also think that, that they're the going to argue. administration is going to say, yeah, but we weren't telling the oh, FBI to do yes. this. Yeah, and well, I also think that everyone's going to argue that the FBI was just raising uh, a question, like, you know, and then Twitter still had to review and decide if they were going to remove these accounts or not, you know, which is... well. Yeah. I'm going to throw a curveball to this now. It is now with the FBI and what what we know that has happened with um, the. It's now being released that it's very much confirmed. I guess you would say that um, the CIA, Lee Harvey Oswald was an asset of the CIA, and they were communicating shortly before Kennedy um, was assassinated. And our whole intelligence agency, you know, bureaucracy in this country has just completely um, been off the reservation for a long time. They're not acting in the self, you know, in the interest of the country. They're acting totally in their own self-interest, their own self-preservation, and they're violating all of the Constitution from top to bottom, and they are completely unaccountable. I've got a couple more things here. Wait, real quick. On this ro real quick. Okay. Remember when we got really mad that they were trying to make this thing called the governance disinformation board or whatever and we, oh, everyone yeah. was calling it the ministry of truth yeah we had that the whole time <laughs> <laughs> that we've always had that apparently um they just were trying to to put a they were trying to put a face on it by putting that one lady in charge but it's always existed this is it so here's well more evidence in march of in a march 2021 email an fbi liaison thanked a senior Twitter executive for the chance to speak to her and the team and delivered them a packet of products, they called it. And then that packet of products, so then um, was really DHS bulletins, stressing the need for greater collaboration between law enforcement and the private sector partners. So they passed, Twitter then passed that to their teams. It was um, FBI or DHS documents that were like titled Russian malign Russian malign influence use of pervasive social media platforms heightened domestic violent extremist threat to persist in 2021 and there are all marked like you know unclassified for official use only things like that and one of them um so in addition they use the whole like Russia interfered in the 2016 elections as an excuse for all of this but then in one of them the one about the domestic violent extremist that bulletin said uh, it's marked unofficial, 
or I mean unclassified for official use only, information gaps and challenges associated with the individualized nature of radicalization could be partially mitigated with increased collaboration between law enforcement, terrorism prevention offers, uh, efforts, and private sector partners. We judge these partnerships would improve our ability to, to detect changes in DVE trends and provide early warning of potential attacks. So they're really just trying to lobby for more involvement and communication between them and Twitter. And so there were also, and then I kind of already shared this, it wasn't just the FBI, but reports from DHS, partners, state governments, etc. Well, I'd also say it isn't just Facebook, because what people are starting to realize now is it's not just Facebook. This is, this is where all the focus Twitter, is. But um, yeah, Twitter, but it's Facebook, it's YouTube, it's Snapchat. I mean, all of these all of these um, social media apps have large numbers of former FBI, you know, DOJ, CIA, you know, people working on their staffs. That this is being done, suppressing and controlling speech on all these social media platforms uh, from these agencies. I think and Bongino is going to do a big thing on, on his, what does he have, a Saturday night program on Fox? Yeah. yeah. You, um, you, I heard... A little bit of Tucker Carlson's um, piece from maybe Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday night about how many former intelligence agents there were working at Twitter, like 15 of them. Yeah. Up at the, like up toward the top. And and he kind of made the imp he kind of said in a roundabout way that the Twitter had kind of turned into TikTok for the United States government, like China uses TikTok data um, to as a data collection. And it definitely makes sense because as people scroll their, um, you know, as people scroll Twitter, if you control everything that's getting posted on Twitter, people are scrolling through that timeline and it's like a script that you want them to read um, of what's of what you want them to know about reality. Um, you can script, you can script someone's reality if they think what they're scrolling through Twitter is a representation of what's really going on in the world. Um, then you can, you can lay it out however you want them to believe everything is going. Um, the other thing about as far as them voluntarily giving information over to the FBI, that's illegal. That is illegal. They cannot do that. There are privacy laws that that prohibit tech companies from giving any user data to a law enforcement entity without a warrant. Yeah, I was going to say, at a minimum, they would have to have a, a court-ordered warrant in order to be able to access... Like, um, Verizon can't just say, here, FBI, here's the information on this guy. They have... Even if Verizon is willing to um, cooperate, there has to be that paper trail. They have to give a warrant. So Twitter can't just give these portal access like they've been talking about um, directly to the FBI or or even really communicate with them, give them any user information at all. It, it doesn't work that way. It's illegal. I would say along the lines of what you're talking about and, and them creating a storyline um, that you think you're following what's going on. If you were to watch just a cross section, you know, a fair amount Let's say you watch three, you consume three hours of news a day across the spectrum of political viewpoints. Um, ABC, MSNBC, Fox, you know, um, that kind of stuff. 
I would say that probably 15 to 20% of what you're hearing is actually really as it's presented. There's a great majority of information that we concern via the news that is not the factual truth, the you know, underlying foundational truth of what's going on. They are presenting to us something other than what's really happening in the world. It obviously depends on what source you're watching too. Well, I it's said not the same. If, it's not the I same said, percentage you, across no, the if, board. Even if, if no, I'm not saying. I'm saying if you compile it all together, I watch 30 minutes of MSNBC, 30 minutes of ABC, 30 minutes of Fox, 30 minutes of you know CNN. Da, da, that when you total all that up, you got about 15 to 20 percent maybe of 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 reality. Which is why you do need to work in some independent journalists, some Substack type journalists that aren't really. Right, because even be even Fox, there's there's people on much. Fox that are that's giving you half, maybe half truths or less. That not everybody on Fox is a Tucker Carlson or a Laura Ingram. I think that's where Substack really is something that's incredibly beneficial because um, individual users to that specific journalist are pay, are paying them. I mean, they're not beholden to some to to any kind of you know, network or bigger company, they are only, you know, th- their right. income comes directly from their users, directly from the people. So if so, if you start to give them anything that they think is suspicious, you're going to lose, you're going to lose your money. So there, there's a big incentive on something like Substack to be as to give people what they want and to be as truthful well, as to be, possible. To be truthful, to because be that's the really thing thorough. I like about it. Yeah, I like about like, like somebody like an Alex Berenson. I love him. And he, that's his primary, you know, source substack where he writes. I love him on what he's done on COVID. He's been like the tip of the spear on COVID almost as, as much as anybody that's not a doctor. And yet almost everything else that he produces, that he writes, I, I, I can't stand. I mean, I would vehemently be at odds with him, but he's just being, he's being honest. So I know that what he's writing, I can trust that he really he means it. It's not, you know, um, uh, Glenn Greenwald will be the same kind of same way. I mean, they're, they're publishing in those places allows them to be honest. They don't have to follow what the network is telling them. And all of the, all the big corporate sponsors are telling them they have to say. The only new thing on Twitter now is they're going to, they, people are, you know, the thing that's springing up now is like, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, Elon, now he's kicking people off. Yeah, because his because son only after right, his right. son got his followed. son and him were both being stalked, and people are leaking his his active location. Sorry, that that's not protected. Yeah. Well, I mean, not on his platform. It's not the intent. We know that the intent behind that is for yeah. him to be harassed, if not harmed. My only thing about that is, is um, Elon Musk could provide for more than adequate security. For all of his family, if he needs to, yeah. But you know what's the best security? Yeah, having people not, not know where you're at. Where you are, yeah. <laughs> okay, there is a video that just came out. So Hashem Al Ghali is a molecular biotechnologist and science communicator, director, and producer. So. He likes to make a lot of like videos and, or 
infographics about scientific breakthroughs and like the future of science and where we're headed. And he's like a big thinker, you know, long-term type stuff. So he put out this video for some company called Ectolife. And it's supposed to be the world's first artificial womb facility. And we're going to talk about this video, but it's, it's long, so we're not going to play it. But oh my gosh, we're going to link it. You need to go watch this because it is the absolute creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Essentially, and his whole message is, you know, we could end this, the infertility problem. We could help people have children, you know, who can't, you're not going to need IVF anymore. It's like next level, all this stuff. However, if you watch the video, you will learn that it's not really just about ending infertility. And they call these artificial wombs in the video growth pods, which is just discomforting. And there's these images of, um, and it's not real. It's like, you know, um, artificial video. What am I trying to? CGI. That's right. CGI babies inside of these growth pods. And I just pulled some quotes from the video um, that I thought were the craziest things. There's an uh, artificial intelligence-based system also monitors the physical features of your baby and reports any potential genetic abnormalities. So you don't even need to, you don't even need to do a, uh, um, a procedure for an abortion anymore. You just hit a little red button yeah. on the side of the yeah, pod. Yeah, if you find a genetic abnormality, right? You can just. Um, I was asked by a recent um, like re- reproductive health people endocrinologist if I wanted to do this. Like, oh, and we we have this genetic screening or genome testing and it would show and cole and i were very hard like we are not interested because whatever it comes back we don't care (laughs) um and if our baby you know was subject to something and so you wanted to test it we wouldn't care because we would have it anyway but um another one it says that this Oh, and then you can you can monitor on your phone. So there's an app you can see like live the data and the growth progress of your baby. And they said, quote, it improves your bonding experience with your baby, end quote. Um, it's what? better than your bonding experience if your baby were inside of your womb. You can also put on a haptic suit, wireless haptic suit, and feel the kicks of the baby in your in the womb through the haptic suit. Or you could just carry your baby. Um they say that so they do i guess they do do ivf but then they grow it totally they would grow it totally outside of the womb so ivf is used to create and select the most viable and genetically superior embryo end quote that is a quote you can choose the most genetically superior embryo and quote if you want your baby to stand out and have a brighter future, our Elite Package offers you the opportunity to genetically engineer the embryo before placing it in the artificial womb. Customize your baby's eye color, hair color, skin tone, physical strength, height, and level of intelligence. This is just basically like if Hitler was born in this century. This is exactly what he would want. We he, would lo- he would it's love this more. program. And so this is when you know it's boom. This is when you know it's just not about not just about infertility. They say, "quote Say goodbye to the pain of childbirth and birth-related muscle contractions." End quote. So it's not just about infertility because now they're saying anyone you know you don't have to do it with the pain of childbirth. Anybody could do this. And um, you also the the delivery process has never been easier. Just simply drain the growth pod and remove your baby. And if you want it closer to home, you can put the unit. In your house. And I was like, what if literally anything goes wrong? Power outage. What would you do? Yeah. 
Is this an inappropriate place to make a comment, a joke about the elite package? It... <laughs> <laughs> well, what comes along with that? What, what are the benefits? I'm just leaving it. I just don't think that that elite package is necessary. There are others. Anyways, um, that this is genetic engineering. This is what you get to, and I'm always bringing it up about Brave New World. They... This this may be couched this way, but where it leads is they are they genetically engineer. You don't have your children anymore, and they're created with certain characteristics depending on what work kind of worker they're going to be, depending on what kind of level mm, of yeah. work that they're going right. to do. So you're you're an A, you're a B, you're a C. You know, are you going to just stand there and put a widget on you know an assembly line all day? Or are you going to have to actually Think just a little bit. Or are you going to be in management? Those are the babies that are not born with the elite package. Yeah, I guess. I mean, and it's it's so amazing to read a book like that written, I think, in 1954, right. and say this is. I mean, how did he? How did he know? Because we're watching exactly this kind of thing unfold in front of us. If you're thinking this is, you know, far off. Oh well, we're not here yet, right? Um, so I, there's an article where they were talking about. You know, what, how far are we really away from this? How reasonable is this? And there was a couple different doctors interviewed. And um, one interesting point from a professor, jo- Joyce Harper, who's the head of reproductive science and society group at the UCL Institute for Women's Health. I think it's in London. Um, she said one of her quotes in the article was, a pregnancy is normally 40 weeks and over half of it now can be done in the neonatal unit. So really, it's under 20 weeks that scientists have to figure out to do safely. It's not really that far away, right? Because babies that are born early, they can already put them in the units and continue growing them. And on the other side, IVF, they already do the first couple weeks and then implant it. Uh, Another professor said a similar thing that we're really not far off. Um, And really, this is just like ripping apart further, further apart family ties and family roles, right? If you don't birth your own baby, then, and, you know, it's one step away from the government then, births of the baby and they raise all the babies and there's no child rearing there's no parenting government is yeah if you don't think this is an attack on faith on a divine creator i mean everything that they are doing tears apart the family they wanted to you know all the um you know gender stuff um you know all the education stuff where your family is not more you know mom and dad isn't more important than the school you know we're the experts you know you don't have to have you don't have to carry your baby i mean it's on and on and on everything is an attack because the family is this basic fundamental unit of society and they want to destroy it um i thought it was really funny because yeah he goes I heard, uh, I think it was Matt Walsh was saying, is everybody's all worried about everything they eat, you know, has got to be organic and, you know, all this kind of everything we want in our society, because except your baby, they're going to make that in a pod in some, you know, some warehouse. And I thought that was a pretty good point. It's, it's everything they say, everything the left says, the, the, the opposite is what they really intend. It's just crazy. So on the, on the topic of, since we're, Kind of on a sciencey thing. What, what do you know about this nuclear fusion? That they they've gotten this reaction for the first time to where they've it's a net gain. Yeah, they passed, the, back they more passed the break-even point in fusion. Yeah, they claim mm. that they have finally um, 
created more energy than they consumed. Than what it took to, to, to get the reaction. So, um, I have not read or heard this story, seen anything about it, but are we... We're chucking the law of conservation of energy yes. out the window then? Apparently. No, they're, they're saying that this the reaction, so not a law. The reaction that, a that you get from it, yeah, releases more energy than what it took to get the reaction. So So we have to lose something though in the process. Matter? Well, you're splitting it you're it's it's yeah. nuclear fusion, atoms. right? Yeah, you're splitting atoms. Yeah. So the thing is there's there's no waste from it. There's nothing toxic. Um, they actually said that a cup of water. Well, that actually, that actually makes sense to me that there would be no waste because you have to be losing something materially-wise to be cre- well, gaining it, energy, right? It changes forms. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, but they said a cup of water and the lith- the amount of lithium in your phone would it would produce enough energy to provide the energy needs of a person for ten years. So, who? has discovered this because how will this work with our pro, you know, our World oh, Economic it, it, Forum? It throws everything energy. out about the green. Right. It throws, it just right. destroys because all of it. they are anti-nuclear energy because nuclear energy yeah, but this is, is not dangerous. a clean source of good. Yeah, but they claim it's, you know, this the is not dangerous the way that the, it's the, not. the nuclear reactor is. Yeah, this is, I mean, this fusion, is laser. Like a fusion this is slamming. Pl- yeah, this is just like um, they basically yeah just slam plasma particles together. The only problem yeah. is the only problem is they said they literally broke their test equipment in the process, and they're not a hundred percent sure that their measurement was even accurate. And in order to to create the materials to house some like the the equipment that would actually run this, um, they they're not sure that they can do it. They don't know if they don't. The bottom line is, I don't know so what. Why are we even talking about this? If they no, said it's fascinating, hey, no, no, no. we may there we are, might have did this. There are people this, out there saying that this is like anywhere from three, five, ten years away. There are plenty of people out there saying, yeah, yeah this is going to happen in the in this next amount of time, and that these things can be built. The, the the technology will be expensive, but materials wise, it's not that expensive. Like a big power station, and it, it'll be about the size maybe of a semi trailer. You roll it into what would now is a big power grid, but one of our substations, and that what's in that trailer will power the whole that whole what that substation would carry. That whole, you know, everybody. Well, if you think the whole target, there's been some targeted attacks on. Yeah, what power. is that about? plants recently like they're really going to go up but there's things. a lot more you know on that subject i i just discovered there's a lot more than the three that we've just been in the news recently but there's actually like over the last i don't know how i forget the length of time but there's actually been attacks on like 103 power stations and unfortunately they attack along the with the food ones. Fortunately, they uh, they attacked the wrong power stations because there's a declassified document where they did a study of the um, um, the weaknesses in the power grid, and there really is like um, nine nine main power stations that could be attacked at the same time and shut off the power in like the whole country. Hmm. Um, That's terrifying. First of all, why did you why did you declassify that? Don't tell anybody. Um, I mean, because even if you go with like the conservative estimate of twenty of them, that's not a lot. Um, so yeah, that that is concerning. But no, the- theoretically, it's just interesting to think about fusion. 
I mean, fusion reactors have existed forever, but it, they claim it's the first time. The, the only thing that they didn't say is to what scale. They don't know if it's scalable. They don't know. They don't. What I I'm be interested to see to what scale they they did it at. And I, and also, where were you hearing all the stuff about like you know three to ten years away? Glenn Beck has, re- has interviewed people. He's interviewed people several times that they've laid that they've talked about this. Because the first time I heard him talk about it, Bongino has talked out about he it. He was and, crazy skeptical. Okay, and he well, said he didn't trust them because the organization that did it is the government. Yeah, well, the he just had somebody on within like the last. I'm sure within this last week, he had somebody on. Yeah. Okay. Because I had heard some. I had heard him talk about it earlier this week, and he thought it was kind of a look. We're gonna make it. Energy costs are gonna come down soon. Don't. Yeah. Don't I think worry. he's still. I think he's still skeptical. But I am. I'm just telling you what they said. It would. It, it does. I look at that. It's like anybody in the government that thinks that we have a legitimate shot at pulling this off. There's no way they would be promoting the green energy nonsense that they are. Also, I don't trust because, them. Because if you could accomplish, anything. if you could accomplish this, all of that becomes moot. Yeah. Show, show somebody. Show me somebody who's doing it with a financial gain. It, it also makes. I trust that person. It I trust also, the person who's doing it for money. If you can, and, well, if it's right. legitimate, people are going to start doing that. Oh, there's a there is. People game. are people are beginning to invest in this. I mean, and if it really is plausible, I absolutely would want to put some money into it because a little bit of money now could make you crazy money fifteen years down the road. What if it is It'd so like, efficient that it's worth nothing? Well, somebody's <laughs> still got to build it. <laughs> but yeah. If, if again, if it were possible, this is the first thing that I would see that would say, yeah, you know what? Electric vehicles make sense to me if you can do this. Yeah, but you wouldn't uh, – I wouldn't think that you'd even use, like, a much battery at that point. You'd use a, a much smaller battery because right. the whole thing would be driven by just a small fusion right. – um, Reactor. A, small, a fusion reactor. The car would just be powered by a fusion reactor. Why am I picturing – I think the you Jetsons. mean flux capacitor. <laughs> I keep picturing the well, Jetsons. Hey, what's the name of that? No, what's yeah. the name of the actual? They call it um, the Fusion Buddy or something. Mr. Some, Mr. Mr. Fusion, Mr. Fusion. Yeah. Yeah. is what he in the next movie or the end of the first yeah. movie he comes back yeah. and he has Mr. Fusion. He puts like yeah. a banana peel like, in it. Yeah, like, yeah, yep. Old beer, beer you can. Put your and, compost. Yeah. Compost in it. <laughs> So did you guys hear this that uh, I heard um, being interviewed? I think it was on, I think it was on Glenn Beck. He had somebody on there from Rebel News from Canada, and they were saying that this whole maid thing, you know, in Canada now. Um, Which, by the way, you can let everyone know, medical assistance in death. Dying. That's what yeah. it means. So uh, that literally you can be killed the same day you ask for it. So I tried to find a story on this, and I could not, because this also goes, you know, flies in the face of everything they've said about you, you would have to get signed off in a psychological evaluation right. or whatever. If you, according to this person, if you went in in the morning or whatever, and you're having these issues, and you and you ask that they they're not supposed to really prompt you, but if you ask, they would could run you through, um, you know, a, a consult. And and by the end, you know, sign sign you off and grant your wishes by the end of the day. I, I'm only telling you what what was reported. 
That's was, the most it was, efficient. It was Rebel News Canada. So the most efficient part of socialized medicine. Well, yeah, it's killing but what, you. Yeah, because it's easy. Uh, it's easy. I mean, the other thing is, this is the logical conclusion of socialized medicine. This is this is where it ends because socialized medicine cannot provide the level of health care that we that we're used to in this country or that we were used to 20 years ago, um, 30 years ago. It can't provide it because, as you know, Bongino is always talking. He is excellent on economics and he's right. For as far as I can tell, there's only two ways to distribute goods and services. You either price it or you ration it. And they've taken pricing out of it when you socialize medicine. So, therefore, it must be rationed. Therefore, it can't provide what you want it to provide. It, it's not there freely available to everybody because nobody, you're not paying for it like as a customer. So the natural conclusion, the ultimate conclusion of this is, is the efficiency comes when, when you can't get your knee replacement within 180 days. Um, you know, because it takes so long to get anything done and you're in this miserable pain and you can't function and you can't work and you're losing your house and then you just get suicided. I have a couple of questions. I'm reading for the first time the actual like information on Canada's government website. And it says that you must meet like all these criteria to be eligible. One of them is that you're at least 18 years of old, 18 years old, which I saw a video of them. Right. Tr- trying to push a mom to allow her daughter to die right. who had some sort of disease which so i don't really get that another one is uh, you must be at least 18 years old and mentally competent yet at the same time they've opened this up to people with mental illness right if you're you can be and you have to make a volunteer request but you that's can, not the result of outside pressure or influence which we're seeing that that's not if you can happening. be suicided for depression then how can you be mentally competent yeah i don't know yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, bottom line is they're not following any they make the no. rules they make yeah. the rules seem like well okay look it again, shouldn't exist at all but the fact that it, it does, does exist you, they make it seem yeah. as friendly as possible but everything every single thing that you've just said they have put something else there's something else out there that says that's not true like instead of putting the chairlift in that lady's house they're like well how about we kill you well they suggested it then or or like you talked about with the minor everything that you've read we have an instance where that's not true the ad that you referenced last week the yeah that girl wasn't she like 16 years old that's what i thought yeah yeah she was a minor yeah and they and they made they made a tv ad out of that of it yeah now, maybe that comes in with the changes that will be in, because it does say all over here, like currently, if your issue is like mental illness, you're not eligible until March 17th, 2023. So maybe the, the same, yeah. All of this, they couch everything, and I, I made this comment a week or so ago, everything they, they couch it in, in compassion. So you can have all those guidelines on their website, but if they can sell it as we're being compassionate, then they'll kill you. Yeah, they they violated every. We have instances where they violated every other guideline in that. Why wouldn't they also violate the time? They, the time they requirement. killed the government of Canada. Killed ten thousand people. No last way. Year. Yes, and it's going to go up because they're making it easier and easier, and faster and faster. Yeah. The what what. what was it in 2020 or 2021? Like, like almost five percent of the deaths in the country that year were suicide, were euthanasia. That's that an insane Bon-Gino number. 
On March 17th, 2021, there were changes to the legislation that allowed you to waive the requirement for giving final consent just before it's provided if your natural death was reasonably foreseeable. You don't even have to give that last minute final consent. No, they've it's it's been it's been worse than that. They have I know they have, have killed people who have said it. never mind, I don't want to anymore. Too bad, you're dead. Even though it says you can <laughs> withdraw it at any time. <laughs> Not once the doctor's got the plunger in his hand, he's got to use that bad boy. Hey, what did you guys think of my proposed legislation? Oh, no all, more adjectives. All politicians and and bureaucrats and their spokespeople, they cannot speak using adjectives and probably oh, adverbs as well. <laughs> just give just us the very, information. Just very straightforward information. Yes. You cannot because I get so, so I can't I get so tired no of hearing they never speak without saying, "Oh, it's incredibly dangerous," or "It's so." Well, it's, you know, look, it, Trump would be yeah. I yeah, Trump, on both mute. sides. Trump would I, be mute on both sides. I don't. Can we talk about it. Trump trading cards? Can we talk about That's Trump trading cards? Thing ever. Huge. That That's is the dumbest huge thing ever. Major seen. announcement. Hundred dollars. He just, he just lost cards. the election. He just I, lost I, the election. Yes, he just lost he, the election, he, and I've and, and I'm honestly happy about it. him right now and going, what are you in fourth grade? Did you see like okay, three of the biggest Trump supporters in my life. One guy I don't really know, but I heard them all talking. They love Trump. The other ones were Steve Bannon and Sebastian Gorka, who lately I haven't been able to stand Sebastian Gorka. He is such a Trump fanboy. And those three were on Steve Bannon's war room, and they're like, this is too much. <laughs> okay, I just want to say this, though. I, want to, I know that they're never going to stop using adjectives and adverbs to just every, every time their <laughs> mouth opens, but try to get yourself to filter those out. As, as you're hearing them, just let that, those words just you know, disappear. What if I also filter out them? the nouns? And the verbs, and the, <laughs> the and the prepositions. What um, if I what if I've already filtered out everything else? The articles. I uh, I, I thought I, 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 I did see some information just come out recently though that has probably changed my understanding of the fact that there possibly are non-binary transgender people. I never thought I would say this, but I, I actually saw something here recently that makes me think, you know what, I think this really is a real thing. Um, and it's John Boehner and Adam Kings Kinsinger. Crying over Nancy Pelosi. I thought you were going to say because you saw an about? interview of uh, with John Brittany Boehner crying, talking. Uh, talking about Nancy Pelosi and Adam Kinsinger crying when he's talking about how you know he stood for truth and so he couldn't get elected to congress i mean it was so yeah i i think there really are men Wait, who are women you're just realizing this when well, we've had what's his face I know. in cnn oh potato head the, potato, potato head stelter mr potato head he's a he a lady CNN crying yeah, and i've never seen him cry i never saw mr potato head cry really yeah don He's lemon cries anymore. all the time yeah i know don lemon so anyways i just it's just so pathetic this is where again hashtag castrati class are allowed to cry john boehner those reasons not over, yeah i know i know john boehner and nancy pelosi 
they have such a close bond because they have shared so many bottles of booze. Yeah, I, yeah, he's got to be. I've heard They're that, both that rumor out there about him, and he, I, he's. Got, it's not I a rumor. Drunk. It's not a rumor. He, he was also, drunk when he gave that speech. He also got involved in the whole cannabis. Uh, after he left Congress, he became like a speaker at conventions for edibles, can you know, oh. CBD, all this stuff. I think I remember breaking that. news: yeah. former Speaker of the House John Boehner detained in Russia. Yeah, I was gonna say something. <laughs> cannabis and. <laughs> <in> his... <laughs> I want to I want to talk about something real quick uh, that nobody probably cares about with me, but I'm going to throw the information out there because you know I I hate China. I hate how we are kowtowing to them and we're selling ourselves to them and everything we make, like everything we you know is made in China, including the all the medications that we need. We're now having these shortages, I guess, like in children's cold and flu and painkiller things because all of it all of it comes from China. Um, and people say, well, we can't afford to make it here. We can't re-onshore this, all these products made in America. And that's completely wrong. We absolutely can re-onshore a lot of this manufacturing that we have shipped off to um, China. People say, well, it'll be too spe- expensive in America. But that's not how it works. If the government would um, reduce, say, personal taxes and, and, and corporate taxes, then people would have more money to spend. And they would be able to afford to buy those things. And it would be an incentive for those things to be made here. It's just – it's the whole cycle. We, we, we keep more of our money. Therefore, we have more money to spend. They can come afford to come back here because they're not going to be taxed as much because their taxes are lower. And we'll have more money to buy their products even if they're a little bit more expensive here in the United States. And on top of that, the government makes more money too because there's a lot more economic – economic activity taking place our our salaries are higher the the sales of these products are are higher and they're taking in more money it's a win 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 all the way around if you would just do that so I, for everybody out there that hears these comments about how you can't afford to make these products in America that's just not true and it's just because they are not willing to do what it takes to bring those those uh, manufacturing back to this country i just it's it it's critically important to the survival moving forward of this country that we bring manufacturing back to this back to the US and if i was the president i would say look if you want to build something overseas go for it but i am going to tax you so hard when you bring that product back into the united states to sell it it's not going to be worth for you to make it overseas so we're pleased to announce the grand opening of bevington pharmaceuticals <laughs> <laughs> For all your pharmaceutical need, we're the the pharmaceutical company that doesn't want you dead. Wuhan East. Wuhan East. That's a terrible. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, I just figure if, if they can do it, he's we not can with do us. It. <laughs> he's not with us. Oh, you know, Cassie. I know you. You hmm. introduced me to this person, um, Sam Sorbo. Uh, Kevin Sorbo's wife. Yes. She's a big homeschool advocate. I heard her this week, and I really liked what she was saying about um, education and about how people think they can't do it at home. But what really you need to do, you be, you read them, you know, you teach your kids basic math, and you teach them how to read, and then you follow their interests. You educate them along their lines of interest. Yeah. And I thought about that because Cade, I was like this too. I remember Cade taking apart 
radios and stuff, you know, those kind of things fascinated him. And I was that way too. I would like take things apart, but I didn't, I was a little kid. I didn't know what to do them. Yeah. But what I'm saying is then we take him and send him back to school and say, learn all these other things. If we would have, if you would be able to to have the freedom of homeschool to take that and then begin to educate him in the areas that they showed interest in, think how much more um, beneficial that would be to that person. I just thought it was really good. It was so, a really good listen. To go further. I could have been like the next science. clock like, kid. <laughs> I could have built a clock f- inside a suitcase. To go further with scientific evidence to back this up here, um, Andrew Huberman, who is a Stanford uh, professor of neuroscience and neurobiology, and he has a podcast that's really awesome if you're just into stuff like any kind of, he talks everything from just how the brain works and mental stuff to physical, like the best ways to work out and your sleep and all this stuff. Anyway, he did a series on some like mental illnesses or neurological issues. And when he was talking about ADD, ADHD, he actually said that there is um, that, you know, the studies show that kids or people with attention deficit issues, they actually can focus um, when it comes to things that they enjoy or and are interested in. And so if you took them out of, but when you put them in, you know, the school setting, they can't. Right. They're, because they're, they have this physical energy, they have to get out and they can't focus, they're not interested at all. But if you actually, right. you know, let them pursue their interests, right. think of what they could do. Well, I thought um, Matt uh, Walsh was talking about it and he's saying, you know, all the discussion around ADD, ADHD, all this is, um, it's all, it's all being defined by behavior. He said, there's nothing... That he goes, show me the brain scan where their brain is. is different. Well, unless you scan that person that you diagnose, but in people who, they, there are studies that show there's like these parts of your brain that normally they fire in succession, or if one fires, the other one's off for normal um, patterns of processing or attention. Um, if, and if the other one's fires, well, then that well, one's I off. Would add- Whereas in people with ADD, ADHD, they are synchronous, and um, that causes the, and the, it's related to dopamine levels. It relates to, dopamine levels yeah well i would ask about that what are they being stimulated with to, to get those firings are they are they not stimulate are they not interested are they not stim- being stimulated is that why they're they're firing differently than if they were really no, interested in something mis- uh I, I think it's just the way that and you can you can that's the reason that flooding them with dopamine actually even though it's a stimulant right, actually helps them focus is because of that it's low but what is uh, you know what is the normal activity level of a, a I grade am not school? a neuroscientist. Yeah. I only listened to a podcast from one, so you know I'll point you to that. I'm, well, I'm really interested <laughs> let, in neuroscience. So let me ask you this though: I can really focus on it. How many um, <laughs> all these kids that they're he does say at the end? I know it's ironic that this is a two-hour podcast. All these kids that are being given are being diagnosed. How many of them have actually had a brain scan? Right. Or they've just that I, they've that just I had yeah they've valid. just had behavior yeah. looked at. Yes, I'll give you with that. And I'll that's that his one. point. They're diagnosing all these kids only on behavior, not on an actual brain scan. And what is the normal activity level of a kid, of a young boy who wants to be out, you know, running around playing, experiencing life, and you stick him in a classroom, and then you complain that he can't focus? Yeah. Also, do you I mean, know how hard— I'm a fidgeter. Do you know how hard it would have been focusing. to even determine what I was actually focused in like, or what I was actually interested in? To have me focus on it, I didn't know. Well, you would have had to just like say a bunch of stuff and be like, "Yes, yes, no, no, don't care, yes, no." Well, there, yeah, but even then, there are things that you're well, just observation at home, like you would yeah. take stuff apart, or yeah, yeah. So I can't be allowed to follow 
my interests. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I said, well, there's football on Saturday. There's NFL football on Saturday now. Yes, there are also bowl games starting. There's bowl games starting, yes. So how many bowl games are there? Weird ones. I don't even know. They play a game on Dan Patrick's show, Bowl or No Bowl, and they name weird names, and they make stuff up, and he has to decide if it's a bowl game or not. The Toenail Clipper Bowl. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But there's some big-name teams playing early in the next day or two. Like Florida today, and, you know, yeah. because they were like six two and ranked six teams in one of them. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> did you guys hear that Purdue hired Drew Brees to coach their bowl game as an interim coach? No. Terrible. That's like that's like the random Jeff Saturday being hired as the interim coach for the Colts. Like no. Are you telling me? Wait, did was Jeff no. Saturday not on the staff at all? Jeff coach. No. De- no, Jeff Saturday was, had never Jeff coached was on anything NFL ever Live before on ESPN. They won like he his was first like a two games though. Consultant, first game, first and he's game. had close games. Yeah. Uh. Um, he was a consultant, but that's yeah, weird. it was random. And that's why people were really. And that's what this upset is basically about like. It. Yeah, and I'm and like, it's racist. It's racist because he's white, obviously. I would I'd rather have Deion Sanders. <laughs> there, Amazon Prime is doing a docu series called Coach Prime, which I don't know if it's while he was at JMU or if it's going to follow be, him to he, he's, Colorado. I but. mean, I don't dislike Deion Sanders, but if I had to listen to him as a player, I'm like, I don't want to listen to Stephen A. Smith be my coach. Shut <laughs> up and just let's practice. Did you just hey, call Deion Sanders Stephen A. Smith? Stephen a. He's Smith. one step below Stephen A. Smith. Below? You yes. put Deion Sanders below Stephen it A. Smith? It is running like, in like his not mouth. As bad. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that's okay. insulting. I am hearing a term being thrown around in football commentary on definitely college. I've heard, and but NFL, I've heard multiple uh, color analysts or play-by-play people use this term. When watching football, we can call we, go, we can call them black now. He will go gang tackled. Oh, he was gang tackled, and it really it just feels wrong to like. I do they'll not be, like they'll, that. They'll be they'll be corrected pretty soon or canceled or whatever for using. A lot that of term. them are saying it, and they're not all white because Gus Johnson has said it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gus, and I Gus don't know. Johnson. It's like one person said it, and a bunch of people are like. Oh, Gus, jo- Gus Johnson is and white. Like, that is unsettling. Gus Johnson is white. <laughs> Gus Johnson is white. Yeah, that's kind of that's pretty true. Yeah, well, well, who's He's his partner? Who's his partner? Joel Clatt. Joel Clatt is more black than Gus Johnson. Oh my gosh, Joel Clatt goes to my in-laws' church. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mike Leach died. Yeah. And they're gonna play the bowl game, you know. And before you go, it was a heart issue. And before you go, COVID, COVID, he he was not vaccinated. Was seemingly against the vaccine. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's just so that's just a okay. He refused. Uh, he's a weird he dude. To answer We're losing whether or not he had the I vaccine, know. but the school required the vaccine by a certain deadline, or you were fired. I know. So I wonder if he did get it, but or he was they against made, it because they just mom. Made him. Because mom showed me a story when we were curious about this, about whether or not Mississippi State required it, which obviously they did. They're a school. The SEC but she did, found yeah. But she found actual um, where they gave everyone involved with the school for any reason a deadline of like December 8th, 2021 or something to get the vaccine. So 
he kept well regardless uh, he, it was, he still had his yeah. job after that so you don't know i think yeah. we should just acknowledge i mean he was a weird dude we're gonna lose some gloriously strange press conferences and awesome. answers and he also is you know largely responsible for the air raid offense in college football and changing college football i liked mike leach i liked who he was as a person and I know that Mississippi State is playing in a bowl game and that they're going to make that game all about him. Yep. But they're playing a Big Ten team, so go Illini. 